0: the world like on a normal day-to-day when you meet somebody new how do you introduce yourself and how do you explain what it is that you do for a job now
1: um now I'm working in the home industry like if you would have asked me a few months ago I would have said oh I'm a fashion designer but now I'm a textile designer which is a little different um yeah it's really neat you just kind of make prints and stuff and design bedding and anything kind of for the home so yeah
0: and how's that (laughs) the difference being going from fashion to home? Has it been a big difference? Like I know you just said, you know, it's a little bit different in terms of what you do, but in terms of the type of work and how much energy it takes or just even the industry
1: itself, is it very similar? Um, yeah, it's pretty similar. I mean, like it's all like the same platforms of like design and everything. Like you still use like Photoshop and Illustrator and everything like that. And most people that go into home design actually come from fashion. So, like, everyone I've talked to, like, at my job, they're like, oh, yeah, I worked here and here before, like, at a fashion place. Um, It's not, like, super different. It's kind of more, like, easygoing. Okay. I wouldn't say it's, like, an easy job at all. But it's, like, in fashion, like, you would work weekends and you'd work really late nights and everything like that and... I'm not doing that right now.
0: So, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. What was the, the culture when you were working in the fashion side of things and fashion design? What was um, the culture of that like? And particularly, like, one of the questions in my head is, like, why does New York seem to be such a hot spot for that? Like, everyone talks about, like, New York fashion shows or whatever. And it seems to be this, I don't know, this, this has this gravitational pull towards it. Why is that?
1: I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's just kind of like where everyone goes. Honestly, like I, now that I've gotten older, I don't really want to like live in New York anymore. <laughs> so like, it's kind of that? not fair. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just like I was living in Queens and I was like, it's nice and everything, but it's not like, I don't know. I just like, I want to be able to have like my car and everything. And now I have a dog, so I want to be able to like take him out to like a nice little park or something at all. Yeah, <laughs> but um, what was the question again? Now I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Actually, there was a couple in there. I'm still waking yeah. up and hay fever's decided to kick in, so my head's all bad. um
1: Yes, I mean. It, it
0: was the around New York and... No, it wasn't. Now I've forgotten. What a great start. <laughs> this is great. We're
1: doing swell. We're
0: doing swell. Um, but,
1: I mean, I don't really know why, like, everything's around new york that's right yeah
0: why is new york such a hub for fashion
1: yeah i I don't know like it's either i mean like if you want to work in fashion in the states it's either like new york or la and that's basically and then there's like little things like in between like you can find like a little something in like georgia or something like atlanta but other than that yeah i don't i don't know why (laughs) it's just kind of the way it is and that's just kind of like the whole garment district everything like that is up there so like you're really close to like if you're doing like a U.S. kind of like sampling or a factory or something like that's where you go and everything's just kind of like close together.
0: Yeah right and you mentioned that um, it's a lot of when it was the fashion side of things that you were doing um, it's late nights it's weekends is that sort of just part and parcel of the culture there and how did you find that
1: exhausting (laughs) but I mean, yeah like i have like a lot of friends in the industry and everything and i feel like especially like the smaller kind of company you go the more of that you'll kind of see so like i worked for a very small company but we did a lot of very big things like we had very big brands so i was working like insane hours and everything like that for not that much pay but it was supposed to be like oh but you're making such cool product and It was like also during covid so like the i didn't get a lot of the perks that you would normally get when working in fashion so i should have like like we go to like paris every year for like shows and everything like that or like to meet with buyers and stuff so you'd either go to like paris and then the other half of the year you go to vegas and obviously we didn't get to do that so (laughs) like it was just kind of like i mean i think everyone had like a struggle working from home but especially like being in design and not being able to like actual like touch and feel things like just sitting behind your computer all day. It's kind of annoying.
0: <laughs> yeah. So were they still able to, because I know you know part of the process is you you design it, you send it off, they do up a mock-up of it and they send you a sample. So were yeah. you able to still get samples sent to yourself? Or did you just have to eyeball it on a screen and hope that it would be all right?
1: I mean, when I was working in fashion, like it was such a small company that I would just have it like sent to the office and then like the actual owner of the company would look over it. So I never really got to see it at all. But like now that I'm in, like I work for like a big corporate kind of company now. And so like if I ask for like colors or like a sample of like fabric or anything like that, they can ship it to me and I have like, and then I'll just ship it back to the office. So everyone can else can look at it.
0: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, where did that initial idea to get into fashion start? Was that something that you always wanted to do, or
1: where did that begin? Um, yeah, I think like since like a very young age. I don't know why, but I was, I learned how to sew like very young. So, I was always like really into that. And then, even I remember like being in middle school and like sketching dresses like under my desk, like, you know, how you'd have like those people like, I would read or something I would be like designing things okay, cool. and like I didn't think of that like as an actual career until like very late in high school before I was like going to uni and I like found out about this program at this uni that's like very close to me and it, they only accept like 32 people from around the world like every year oh wow you have, it's you have to do like a whole portfolio to get in and everything and then so I eventually got into that somehow.
0: <laughs> Adam, how, really many people, how many people would have applied, do you think?
1: Uh I don't know. Like hundreds, thousands. I mean, I don't I don't know. <laughs> like I knew a lot of people that like applied and like not a lot that got in. Like we even like we had people from out of the country that came, like either from like China or there was a girl in my program that came from Peru. I don't know how like you found out about this, but like it was like a very I guess big kind of well-known program. Wow! Um, And
0: whereabouts was that based?
1: It's um, it was at NC State, so North Carolina, um, which is where my parents are from anyway. So it was only about twenty minutes away from me, conveniently enough.
0: (laughs) Perfect. They needed they needed a local.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and it was it was really good experience because like they were really based around technology. So, I have a Bachelor of Science instead of like a Bachelor of the Arts, which you would think like for design, you would think I would get arts. But like we learned a lot about like the chemistry behind textiles and everything like that. So, I think it gave you like a really long range of what you could do. So, wait,
0: what do you mean the science behind textiles? It's like what is, like a little bit of a glimpse, you're talking to a moron here. So, like
1: I go science
0: and textiles, I go, it's just fabric. It's just yeah. What's how like? But it's you, like. But you've done a degree. That. That's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, but it's like how you make the fabric and everything. Like when you think about, like actual the machinery yep. that like actually makes everything, and then you also have to think about there's like polymer and color chemistry. Right. So like, like you literally go from like polymers, which are like little parts of like dye and stuff like that, all the way to the end product. So there's just so much far and in between, like i did like fashion textile design but there's like textile engineers and stuff like that like even like you can make biomedical like stints and stuff out of like textiles and that was like also like a big part of the college so there's like there's so many different things that people don't really think about and like it's funny because People are like, oh, you're school- going to school for fashion design. Like, good luck with that. And then I'm like, I think I have a pretty good background at this point.
0: I've got a science degree, bitches. Come on. like
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, what are some of those other things that you learned through that that most people wouldn't even think of? So, you mentioned like medical stints. Like, what were some of the other applications?
1: Um, I mean, like I said, like the color aspect of it and then just like learning how to, Kind of do all the, like the, the machines and stuff like that like learning how much like like there's a lot of math behind it <laughs> um, what? learning like yes how? How? <laughs> i don't know like I, it's been so it hasn't been that long but it's been kind of like so long since college that i mean i didn't really pursue anything in like textile engineering so i don't really use it that much anymore but like i remember like cotton count and stuff like that. And it's just like all a bunch of like conversions. So, you know what to put into the machine and you know, what it'll produce out and stuff like that.
0: Right. So like different cotton counts need a certain amount of dye or polymers to be able to retain the color I'm assuming or something like that. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so you'd, under, you'd, you'd be learning why some products, are. I guess maybe it would, yeah, it would help you be able to justify why some products are more premium than others. Because yeah. you'd understand why. And this is just me trying to understand, <laughs> like <laughs> color retention. Like you wash a T-shirt twice and it fades, and you're like, "Well, that was a bit shit." Um, yeah, this <laughs> is the one that you can wash a thousand times and it's all good. Obviously, that's a better product and it's been engineered better to, with yeah, color and shape and everything.
1: Yep, basically. Right. And then, like, you learn a lot more about like the different types of fabrics and everything and like just from like learning more about like the whole industry of how wasteful fashion is and everything like i when i like shop or when i design i really try to gravitate towards like more natural materials like a linen or a kind versus like a polyester polyester is awful for the environment
0: (laughs) how so explain that one for us
1: um I mean, like anything that's kind of made out of like a synthetic material is not going to be that great for the environment, just like in general. And especially like you are having this man-made product. So you're creating like a waste in multiple different ways. And then also polyester is a lot cheaper. So you see that like in fast fashion a lot more. Yeah. So it's also like, it's not that great of a material. And then it's also a person that's only going to wear it for like a couple months and then throw it away. Yeah. So obviously you're just like contributing to the waste there, which is why like, I really, yeah, I like really like ethical kind of companies or like more natural fibers. And then I also just like thrifting a lot because I like giving something a new life or something, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And has that been something that you went into this study being conscious of or was it something that you kind of discovered along the way and then went, no, nah, I want to gravitate towards more this sort of style.
1: Um, I mean going in, I originally wanted to do like red carpet gowns and stuff like that. And I kind of did like a complete 180 from that. And like when I was going into college, I was also one of those people that was buying like really cheap clothing. Just because like I was like, oh well it's a cute shirt. It's $10. Like I'm not gonna really think about that. Like, yeah, that's the stage of life think, that you're in
0: at that point as well.
1: Yeah, you don't have a lot of money, like, as a college student, <laughs> and you yeah. don't want to invest in, like, a $100 shirt. Like, why would I waste my time with that?
0: <laughs> exactly. But. So, was there any sort of point in, you said you did a bit of, you did a 180 from wanting to do red carpet gowns to going to this other way. Was there anything in particular that triggered that 180, or was it more of a gradual process?
1: Um, Well, I did like a bunch of different internships, which also is like a really bad thing about the fashion industry because they're all unpaid all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I think that's one of the things between Australia and America that gets lost in translation is we say internship here and I think it would almost be illegal. And don't quote me on this. You can't do an unpaid internship here. Otherwise, the business itself would get in trouble. You got to pay them at least, I think, some amount. But uh, the unpaid internship over there explain that and explain what you actually i'd love to hear you get in and then the hours you do the expectations you have and what you actually get from it would be fascinating how was that
1: um yeah and i don't think it's like i don't i think australia can also get away with it because i did about like three internships over there and almost Uh, all of them were unpaid too it's just like they can get away with it if they only have you come in like twice a week or something like that okay so yeah yeah because I worked at like some big places over there like I worked for Camilla and Mark and everything and I think I was only there for like a day or two per week so it wasn't that big deal and then it's only for like three months at a time so it's fine you know (laughs) but like Um, but the whole process, I mean, that's usually how they kind of like get away with it or they can even like say, Oh, we'll do this for like college credit. And then, but the thing with that is, is that happens to a lot of places like in New York, they'll be like, Oh, like, we'll take you as an intern, but it has to be for college credit. Cause I think they get maybe like a tax break or something for that. But what's really messed up with that is like, I had friends that did that and you actually have to pay to go to there. Like you have to pay for a college course, like for credit.
0: Ah, uh, so it goes towards your, um, yeah. What's it called? Not hex debt. What's it called over there? Your, um, your college debt effectively.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't really even count. I don't know if it actually counts as like, I mean, you take it as a course, but I don't know if it actually counts like towards your major or anything. So that's an even more like kind of messed up Sketchy. way to do an internship. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's not even free. Like you have to pay for it. (laughs) And I don't, I think that is like, that's a big issue with the industry is that like people can just get away with that. It's, it's really nuts because I know like when I came to Australia, like I came to do internships just to get, like, I was fresh out of college. Like I needed some more experience. So I did like, I was doing three at the same time. And then I was also working at the bar (laughs) just so I could like make a little bit of money. But yeah. It's, it's everybody's got to go through it. Like it's kind of like a rite of passage, which is kind of like screwed up in its own way. But yeah,
0: it's part of the know. price of entry into the fashion industry is you have to kind of go through that.
1: Exactly. And that, to chiller.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and does that, I guess, uh, you know, baptism of fire through uh, unpaid <laughs> or <laughs> paid <laughs> internships. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: One was the experience in a messed up way worth it and do many people not survive it?
1: Um, I mean, I would say like it was worth it. Like it's good to have like experience before jumping into like an actual fashion job and having like a little insight to it. Mm. I mean, I just, I wish they would get like, these people would get paid now that I've like gone through it and everything. But Yeah, I mean, it's still, like, it's a good experience. It is, like, there's not a lot you really, I guess, learn. It kind of really depends where you go. Like, so? um, I guess if you go to, like, a, a smaller place, you might learn, like, a lot more. And then, like, I've, like, talked to people that also, like, were, when I was in Sydney, I talked to other people that were in the industry, and they were, like, oh, I have like an unpaid internship and I also like take out the trash and get coffee and stuff like that. And I'm like, you're not getting paid and you're doing like things that are not going to like help you in your career. So I, luckily I never had anything like that. I've always had like really good internship experience. Um, but yeah, it all depends where you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which I I was going to say, like, I think that kind of, that's where you go. Kind of depends on your whole job, your whole career. It doesn't matter about internships. I mean, I've had really good jobs and I've had really, really bad jobs. So uh, it's the whole industry, you just kind of bounce around a lot until you figure out like a good fit. And I know people that have only stayed at places for like a couple months and then they leave and they just kind of jump around. But that's how it is.
0: Yeah, right. So what makes a bad job? Um, in the fashion industry, you just mentioned that, you know, you've had some good jobs, you've had some bad jobs. What, Without having to mention names and, you know, calling people out. But <laughs> as much as you can, um, what is the difference between a good one and a bad one?
1: Um, I think especially, like, when you're starting out, it's, like, when you start out, like, as an assistant designer or something, like, you, where I started, like, you're not really appreciated that much, It's like... Obviously, like, I don't need, like, a pat on the back or anything, but, like, (laughs) just, like, running around and, like, cleaning up kind of, like, after your boss and, like, running around getting hangers for, like, a meeting and stuff like that, it's just, like, it's not that great. And then it's just kind of, like, exhausting at that point. (laughs) Just, like, little things that, like, shouldn't really matter, but matter to certain people because it looks better. Just... I don't know that and like a bunch of like little meetings that are kind of pointless. And you're like, well, I don't have time to do like my actual job at this point. So it's kind of just like a lot of run around where there's like places you can go and they can be like, Oh, well, you're not being efficient. Or like, you're not, you don't really know what you're doing. And you're like, well, you're not giving me the, the tools to like set me up to be successful. So I've had a lot of experience with different places like that.
0: Yeah. Right. And what, I guess, is something that you look for, and I guess you might have just answered it, as, like, a right fit for, you know, a place that you want to work?
1: Um, well, like, the reason I kind of switched into home design mm. is because, like, if eventually, like, I do want to move back to North Carolina, there is, like, more home design, like throughout the country, especially like in North Carolina, cause we have like factories down here and we do like a market down here and everything. Um, but I also like, I wanted to go really corporate because at the job I was at before this, like I was not making any money. I didn't have any like health insurance cause you know, that's an issue in the States. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was just like working too many hours. And then if you go to like more corporate structure, like, things are a bit more regulated obviously like when i first started i it was a bit crazy sorry that's my dog <laughs> but like it started certainly like slowed down and got like more normal now that i've gotten used to it um but yeah i mean the more corporate you go it depends on where you go but usually the more corporate go the better that it gets
0: in terms of you being looked after both pay and and health insurance and, just, and stuff like, like that yeah
1: Yeah. And the whole like culture and everything like that, like if you go to like a really small company, I mean, there's no HR, like they can do whatever they want and everything like that. (laughs) But if you go like more corporate, like obviously like there's more like formalities that you have to kind of go through. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's good, but it's like, you know, it's a corporate structure. Like it can be good. It can be bad, but like overall I like it a lot better.
0: Yeah. Nice. And how how did you find the difference between, you know, your time working in the industry in Australia and the industry in America, is there much of a difference or is it pretty much same, same?
1: Um, I would say it is like, it's smaller in Australia for sure. I mean, it was definitely like I liked it over there, obviously. Like I ended up staying for a lot longer than I wanted or should have. I was planning on it. Um, But I mean, what was really the struggle for me over there was that like, I didn't have the right kind of visa. And like, obviously, like no one's gonna sponsor like an assistant designer just coming into the industry. So I wanted to stay, like I wanted to stay in the Australian fashion industry, but yeah, right. obviously it didn't really pan out that way. <laughs> and it is kind of like, it. there is more opportunity over here, obviously. Like you do have to move to New York, but I mean, there's like, there's just so many companies over mm-hmm. here. So it does kind of work out that way. It worked out well.
0: Nice. What's been the most exciting project you've been able to work on so far?
1: I would say like the last place I worked at, there was definitely like ups and downs, but I worked on some really cool brands. Like I was working in like high-end kind of menswear streetwear type of vibe. And I was working on this one brand that like actually like collaborated with like a street artist. So it was just like a lot of prints and stuff. Like I would just take his prints and like put it on a t-shirt or stuff, something like, or make it into an embroidery. But it was just like this brand had like a very big kind of cult following, and it was kind of cool to see like a bunch of like, just like whatever you wanted to put on something, like the weirder kind of the better. So it was a lot of creative freedom, and it was like there was a lot of things like you would design it and it'd be wrong, but it would still like it'd be fun, just kind of like. Do whatever you want and figure it out if it's going to work or not um yeah
0: and how much creative freedom do you normally have you know obviously that's probably at the more creative end of the spectrum but in your day-to-day do you have a fair fair bit of creative freedom or is that something that kind of comes with your credentials as you are around the industry longer you get that more freedom or are you kind of
1: allowed to now I mean, personally, I'm allowed to now. <laughs> uh-huh. At my last job, obviously, it was a small place, so I had a lot of creative freedom. But even at the job I'm at now, um, I started in May, and then what was it? July. My boss quit, so like I was designing like a little bit, and then like she left, so I was completely by myself. And I'm on these two big brands that are like launching next year. And so there's a lot to do. So I ended up having to do like a lot of different stuff. And like, even right now, um, I'm starting to get like a new boss like this week, but like I'm designing a lot of stuff this week because obviously they need to be trained and everything to actually like come and do their job. So I am, I do have a lot of creative freedom right now, which is good, which is what I wanted.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. It sounds like you've been on this journey of, where you want to be, but then also finding that balance of life and the right hours, the right support, but also the right amount of creative freedom. And it sounds like you've kind of started to find that niche, which is really cool. That's going to be exciting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm really happy.
0: (laughs) And where does the next sort of couple of years look like and what do you have to do to kind of hit those things that you're wanting to pursue?
1: I mean, right now I'm an associate designer.
0: What does that mean? Um, Where's that in the sort of hierarchy of designers?
1: So it kind of goes like assistant, associate, and then regular designer. Yep. Um, my last job I was at, it was so small that I actually became, I was a, like, I was a fashion designer. And then I was kind of, I considered myself head of design because I was the longest ranking person there.
0: <laughs> yep. So yep.
1: I've gotten like a really big title, which was not a lot of pay, but I've had that like in my experience. And now I've gone back to like, being an associate which is fine by me because like it's honestly more pay a little bit less responsibility but still like doing a lot of creative stuff so within the next like five years I definitely plan on moving into like the designer role and however things shake out if I like move to a different brand or something and just take that over I mean we'll see I don't know (laughs) and
0: what is it that kind of qualifies you to get into that other than your science degree but is it more of a factor that how long you've been around or is it more of a, this is how my designs have sold or these are the brands that I've worked on?
1: I mean, I think it's a little bit of everything, honestly. Um, There's definitely like mile markers for sure. Like there wouldn't be an associate designer that would have been there for like three years or something. Like at that point, like you should kind of be a designer. Um, But yeah. I mean, we'll, I like my brands haven't even launched yet, so I don't know how they're going to sell. That is always like an interesting kind of thing to see is like, oh, we're, we're designing this, but I have no idea how like the customer is going to take it at all. So how,
0: how it's going to be interesting. Yeah. That must be kind of just you sitting and waiting. Um, yeah. and what's that timeline from you getting that initial brief to the product mm-hmm. launching? What's that time frame like?
1: I mean, I, when I started, like, we were already working on my brand for, like, months, and it launches, like, January 2022. Right. So, you you start about, like, a year ahead of time, basically, because, like, I'm working on, right now, I'm working on kind of, like, fall 2022. So, it takes, like, it takes a while for you to, like, I mean, even today, like, I started um, just going out to stores and stuff and trying to get like inspired. So I spent like my workday shopping, which is kind of fun.
0: (laughs) That's part of the job?
1: Yeah. Like you go around to the competitors and like you kind of see like the fabrications they're using or like even the colors, the embroidery techniques, like stuff like that. And you're like, Oh, well, how can I incorporate that into, you know, what I'm doing or incorporate that in my customer. Um, So, yeah.
0: <laughs> so you get to go out shopping as part of your job?
1: Yeah. Like I went, yeah, I went shopping today to like a bunch of different kind of like higher end home stores. Just trying of to, to get a feel for stuff.
0: <laughs> and do you tend to do that locally or do you get to do that more broadly?
1: Um, I mean, I'm just doing it locally right now. Like since I am just at my parents' house in Raleigh. But like when I do move back up to New York kind of area, I can kind of just like go into the city and go to like a bunch of stores and everything. And like, I know like a lot of other designers like on my team like do that. I mean, when you have time, which isn't like you don't have a lot of time to just like go out shopping, obviously. But like when you're like starting off on a new season, like it is kind of like a good idea to just go out and see what's in the market.
0: That's cool. And then it's a yeah. year turnaround time pretty much from inspiration to somebody actually wearing the clothes.
1: Mm-hmm. Cause it takes a lot of time to like, Oh, you'll go out and like, you'll see like, Oh, I like how this weave structure is or something like that. And then like, I'll buy a sample, I'll take a cutting of it and I'll send it to like one of our factories overseas. And then it takes them a while to either weave it or source some sort of similar material and everything like that. And then from there you kind of, you go through like all the steps, like, all right, can you hear my dog?
0: It's fun. <laughs> okay. It's fine. Adds to the ambience in the background.
1: Okay, good. Yes. The podcast listeners will love that. <laughs> um, but you kind of, you start off just like, like sketching and everything you go through kind of like a sketch review with your buyers and your PD people. So your product development people. Um, and then from there, the buyers kind of decide like what they want to move forward with. And then you send out like a tech pack. So a tech pack's basically like your design and then all the, like, the, like, the measurements, like everything that's very specific to that product, whether it's a pillow or a comforter or anything like that. And then you send that out to whatever vendor overseas that you're working with. And then they'll send you a sample back. And then from there, you'll kind of have like, a meeting with all the buyers and you'll see, you'll be like, Oh, this is what it like actually looks like in person. And then they'll decide if they want to buy it or not. Yeah.
0: So are the buyers part of your company or are they part of a separate company? No, they're part of our company. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we work really closely like with um, PD to product development. They kind of, they help us like with who we're going to like, which vendor we're going to send stuff to and like costing, kind of and everything like that. Like we get to design, we get to create it. They get to make sure we're staying within the parameters or like make sure that it's coming from overseas in time and in the right costability and everything like that. Um, And then we also work pretty closely with the buyers and they just like, they kind of tell us like what their needs are like, oh, we want to fill this end space or this end cap with like a certain something. And I'll be like, okay, well, here are my options of what you could buy into. And then they kind of just go from there. And then they pick, like, we pick colors and everything, and then they pick all the colors they want to buy and the products and everything like that.
0: So, it has to be a real give and take between the two. It's not them saying, we want this and you make it. It's not you saying, we've done this, you'll buy it. It's you kind of have to collaborate and make it happen.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, in the beginning, they'll be like, this is what we need. Just like we need one comforter and one, like, quilt from the brand or whatever. Yeah. And they they might give you some like inspiration images, but like you don't, I mean, you can just kind of take it and run with whatever direction within like your brand identity that you mm-hmm. can go. And then you, what I do is I usually like the better, like the more options, the better. It's because like what I've learned, especially like at this company, is that like things can be dropped in like a second,
0: That's so right.
1: like they. Um, like when I first started, we were like planning this whole brand launch and like everything was ready to go. Like we had all the products in like buyers were like, Oh, we like this. We like this. And then we had the CEO walk through and he's like, this is not what I want this brand to be or anything. So we completely had to like redesign the whole brand.
0: <laughs> Start from scratch, basically.
1: Like, basically. Yeah. And that's, like, when I started, that's what we were doing. And that's why it was, like, so many hours when I first started. Because we just, like, we scrapped everything and redesigned.
0: How many months of work was scrapped effectively?
1: I would say probably, like, three or four months. (laughs) It's literally, like, we had, like, probably, like, four different beds set up. And each bed gets, like, two comforters, like, a quilt, like, pillows, everything like that. Yeah. completely scrapped all of them and we designed from just for
0: design but even down to the textile as well. So
1: Yeah, basically.
0: <laughs> so what it the... was
1: it was nuts.
0: What's the and vibe? Like, you go.
1: I was gonna say, oh, that's like I think that's why my boss quit because she was only there for like a couple months and she was like from the beginning like she was working long hours and everything. And then like she finished designing everything and then everything got scrapped and she was like well, what's the point of this? <laughs> like,
0: and do you think, is that part of why so many people do just move around and churn through the industry?
1: I mean, I think so. I mean, part it's of it. definitely. Yeah. I think that's part of it. It's like, but I mean, working in this industry, I've really grown to like not get too attached to anything. Like whether it's like when I was working in fashion or whether like whatever I'm doing now, like if I really like something like I can push for it for sure but I'm not guaranteed that like that thing's going to, you know, hit the shelves. Like, I just like, you know, like going into it, you'll be like, Oh, that's why I also like giving options because I'm like, um, this is what I have for you. And then I don't know what's going to get picked or what's not.
0: (laughs) So how do you generate, uh, that's got to be tough to be able to get really passionate about something and pour your heart and soul into it. But then also, hold it loosely. Like, yeah. so do, you, do you find yourself, is it hard to not kind of, not that you wouldn't care, you're doing what you love and you're passionate about it. You've been drawing it on desks since you're a kid. So, you, you, it's, it's what you're meant to be doing. It's what you know you should be doing. So, how do you do that sort of don't get too invested into a particular design, but still be passionate about it?
1: Um, I just like, I feel like I don't get too invested into anything at this point. Like, obviously, like, I love what I'm doing and everything. But what also kind of happens is, like, if something doesn't get picked this round, I keep it in my back pocket because right. they'll be like, at, like, a couple months, like, six months later, they'll be like, oh, like, what happened to that thing that we saw, like, a few months ago? Like, we might want to bring that back in. So it's literally just like hoarding kind of like old samples, like, knowing that they might come back around, honestly. And like, even sometimes like I'll present something again and they'll completely, they'll be like, Oh my God, we love this. And I'll be like, Oh, you saw it like a year ago. And you be hated like, it no, last we time. Didn't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause how hard is it to pick trends, especially a year out?
1: Um, I mean, it's like, it all depends. It depends what you're designing into, but we do have like, we have trend forecasters kind of like in various kind of, It will like more corporate places like have more like trend forecasters. Like, I know at the place I am now, like we have one like kind of head of trend. So I think they just kind of, yeah,
0: head of trend.
1: And yeah, like they just kind of like each season they kind of like present, they're like, oh, this is what I think is going to trend now. And I don't like, I don't know how you even really do that job besides like, I guess you can kind of like go to market and everything. So there's like different textile markets that like different companies will like show you kind of like new stuff that they're doing. But other than that, like I don't know how you do it.
0: It would be such a hard one to like, are you leading or following? Like are you moving trends forward and being innovative and actually, you know, doing something creative and new or are you just copying and twisting or is that what it always is? Like, what's your sort of rate of the, the fashion industry in terms of um, is it just everybody copying each other and there's a little bit of, you know, change each year or is it there's a few real market leaders that just do whatever the hell they want and then everybody copies them. Like how does that sort of mix happen?
1: I mean, I think it is, it's in fashion and in home design. It's kind of the same thing. Like you have your kind of like trailblazers and then you have the people that just kind of copy them, but like they try to make it like a little bit different, but yeah like like what you see on the runway is like what people that like they get inspired by to design everyday clothes they just kind of like simplify it a lot and you will like you'll you will go by kind of like runway shows and everything just to kind of get a feel for like what the trends are going to be so like you can see like now like 70s are really big and stuff like that but then you just kind of go from there and you're like oh well let's just make bell (laughs) bottoms Easy peasy.
0: <laughs> yeah. We've been here, done that. We know what to do.
1: Yeah. And it's like, I mean, fashion and everything is, a it's a complete cycle. I mean, you'll see like within like 20 years or something, like something will come back into trend. Like everything's just like a cycle that, you know, like that's why I never get rid of any like nice clothes either. Is because like, I know it's just going to come back anyway. Like yeah. all the, the Gen Z people that are like, oh, you shouldn't wear skinny jeans and stuff. And I'm like, well, you're going to be wearing it in like 10 years again. So don't talk to me about
0: that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, what's the one fashion trend that you hope doesn't come back around?
1: There's so many. There's so many. Well, I know like early 2000s fashion is coming back and I'm not okay with
0: I'm it. not okay with that either. I had to live through that. I had to be in high school through that. Like
1: I, like the low rise jeans and the juicy sweatsuits. I'm not ready for that to come back. I
0: uh, remember all the, um, what was it? FUBU. Um, oh, yeah. And the MM pants, are like almost those rave pants oh, yeah. that were like silver yeah. and almost reflective. It was just like
1: the, the ones that had like rhinestones on it and stuff. Oh, it's I definitely... Have, those TikTok kids are going to be wearing them in like a year, I swear.
0: <laughs> if the, for me, it's the Ed Hardy style. Yeah. It's because that got bastardized so much, especially here in Australia, being close to Bali and places like that where you just get so many of the knockoff stuff. And it was yeah. such a a like how do I put this politely? The association <laughs> between the people that wore it, yeah, and stereotypes was just so unavoidably strong that it was just like, oh, please don't.
1: Yeah, and you, do, yeah, you see that like a lot in kind of fashion, like the whole like cultural appropriation thing, especially like
0: what a everywhere. Right yeah. topic to delve into how the holy heck do you like
1: do you get inspiration from some like it's hard. yeah it's hard to get inspiration from somewhere (laughs) without like you know crossing the line
0: where is the line
1: i don't know (laughs) but like i guess if you have to ask yourself like if this like will get you in trouble then it's probably not a good idea to do and there are like like I follow a lot of um like Instagram accounts like there's ones like Diet Prada and stuff that really like dive deep into calling people out on like certain shit like they'll be like oh this company like had this top but then it like it originally came from this like small hand woven like Mexican tribe or something and you're like oh shoot <laughs> like, we really screwed the pooch on that one didn't you <laughs>
0: And is it like there would be a moment in the office where I could just imagine everyone going, did you know? I did not know. Did you know? I didn't know. I thought like, well, I don't know. I thought it started here like because that's all I could find. But they found something that I couldn't find. And oh, shoot.
1: Yeah. Well, that is like a big problem with like a lot of people do kind of get their either inspiration from like other companies. But like, I mean, a lot of comes from like, I know personally, a lot comes from like Pinterest nowadays. And like Pinterest, like you don't know, you don't always know like the actual source of where that's coming from. So like you pull like a cute top and you're like oh this is really nice like I don't know who exactly makes this but like I want to do a variation of this. But you have to make it like a big enough variation.
0: Yeah, while still being inspired by.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because like you can't like actually get like under the law like you can't get in trouble for like copying, like just taking like a pair of jeans and like straight up copying them. Like you can't get in trouble for that. But what's interesting is that like textile design like you have to make it like 20 percent different or something like that or else you can like legally get in trouble for like copying like a print or something like that
0: so print can be you
1: so can like get in trouble for, but like a stripe you can't really copyright but like say like it's a specific kind of like floral design or something right. if you just take it like one for one like you've got a lawsuit. Like you have to like change the colors up, change some of like the motifs a little bit, maybe like the scale also. That's why you can't just like take like a painting and just like slap it on a shirt. Like you have to get certain rights and everything for that.
0: Yeah, because I remember one company over here got in trouble. They had like the Muhammad Ali classic mm-hmm. photo and they'd put that on um, and they changed it and they thought it was enough. I think they put a guitar in his hands instead. And they're still going in trouble for it.
1: Yeah. It's a a very thin line, which like you're always, especially like I've done a lot of like graphic t-shirts and stuff like that. Like you're always kind of towing the line. You're like, is this going to get us in trouble? (laughs) How different can I make this?
0: And I guess it does make sense in a way in terms of also the line between print and logo. Like, I know the line thing, you can't have three, what is it, three diagonal lines because it's the Adidas have that trademarked yeah. to a certain degree. And I remember a company over here flipped it and inverted it, if that yeah. makes sense, and that was okay because it was, yeah. you know, a different enough design even though it was blatant if you just inverted the colours that they've taken the, the Adidas logo and just flipped it, I'm like, okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, like, it's always, like, towing the line. Like, I did have a brand where, like, you kind of, like, build, like, little blocks to kind of, like, make a picture. Okay. So, it's, like, it was called 8-Bit. Yep. So I I would take, like, a Coke can, but it would just be, like, made out of little blocks, and I would just, like like, make the seed just, like, kind of different, like, enough so, like, they can't, like, from far away, it looked like a Coke can. But, like, when we were up close, you were just, like, this is just a bunch of, like, colorful dots. So, like, that, like, even that kind of stressed me. I was, like, are we going to get in trouble for this? And I was, like, you really technically can't when it's, like, that different.
0: Right. And you think some places deliberately flirt with that line for the potential, because I know there's a beer company over here that had a beer called Jedi juice and it had a mm. um, princess layer on the front and they didn't really change oh. it and they yeah. got in trouble because, well, Disney. So yeah. now they've had to change it completely, but now it's almost baked into the mythology of this brand and this particular beer that you look at it now. Yeah. And those who know are like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. They got in trouble. <laughs> they had to change it, whatever, but it kind of adds a bit of notoriety to the brand.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're a little ballsy
0: yeah exactly like <laughs> they flipped they, yeah, yeah yeah they they tried sticking it to disney it's like well no they didn't they were just you know
1: yeah and even like the one of the last places i worked at we actually partnered with universal like we were a very high-end company but like we wanted to do like some cool like graphics like with minions and stuff like that so like i ended up like actually being like in these calls with like actual universal like executives and stuff like that and I was like oh this is like an interesting kind of like twist on my career but like yeah that's what happens when you go for like actual branding interesting
0: yeah you got to get the licensing agreements all sorted out and all that side of things it's
1: such a pain because like you would have to submit things and they were like oh like because I like I did all these like I hand drew like a bunch of like old vintage like comic book covers of like Felix the Cat and then they would like they'd be like, his tail is too thick, like right here. And like, you need to like tilt his head a little bit, like right here. And I was like, just, just to prove it. Like, I think like they were just like doing, yeah, they were just like doing things just to be like, oh, this isn't on brand for us. And I was like, come on. (laughs) like Even like, we wanted to do like old nostalgic Felix, like when he was like World War II kind of stuff, like him, like hanging out on missiles and stuff like that. And it's in their archive. Like I had access to the universal archive and they were still like, we can't do anything with like guns or violence on it or anything like that. I was like, that's what Felix was built on. And that's what actually like made him cool from the beginning. So I just like, it's like little things like that where like, I know like being PC is like important nowadays and everything, but like little, like, just let me put like Felix, like on a little rocket ship or something, just let it go.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's that catch twenty two of that. You know, you even mentioned you know earlier for your own career, working for somewhere small, and now working for somewhere corporate. There's the support, there's the benefits, which is great, but also then the bigger and bigger that it gets, the more and more risk adverse that it becomes, and the harder to have that creative license, pun intended, is is tricky because the tail's too thick. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> But I mean, that's just all of them being picky with like their own, you know, their own brand, their own like identity of what they want to use Felix for and everything like that. But yeah, that's, <laughs>
0: that's fascinating, and uh, my brain's still trying to process the
1: the cultural <laughs>
0: appropriation thing. That would be such a you always need somebody within the business that's a fact checker that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but for each product and going well because you know, I feel like you could almost just pare anything down into mm-hmm. being origin originating from somewhere that you could then claim that it was like not just inspired yeah. by that you ripped off
1: yeah especially like from like native people and everything like that yeah
0: and I was like, thinking especially some one. of the 70s fashion and
1: <sighs> yeah <laughs> like I remember like when I was younger and like I guess like Indian kind of like native American, like stuff was like trendy. And now we're like, we're all like, this is not okay.
0: (laughs) And that was not that long ago.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's not sort of like, oh, they did that in the sixties. Like, nope, that was post 2000. Like
1: 10 years ago. (laughs) And you're like, wow. Like, and it's like, it's good. We're actually like thinking of this now. And I don't, yeah, it's just like, it is a big thing that, I mean, fashion industries really need to consider. is like where you're getting your inspiration from, basically, because there are people that are rightfully so kind of like getting in trouble nowadays and actually getting called out by other people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's a good point. What do you think is the, in your opinion, like the biggest challenges facing the fashion industry broadly at the moment? obviously we've just touched on the Um, cultural appropriation slash inspiration pieces is one of them, but there are some other, you know, mentioned waste earlier and fast fashion and some of the pitfalls there. Is there anything that sort of, yeah, you
1: go. I was going to say, I mean, the biggest thing for me is kind of how wasteful the industry is. I think we're like, we're in the top five most wasteful like industries and companies in the world, obviously. Um, And I think it is like, kind of good that we are kind of getting away from fast fashion. I mean, there still are those like sites that are very popular and it like, like Shein and stuff like that, which is really not good. And like, that's another thing is that like when you're buying something, it's not only wasteful when you're buying something that cheap, but like, you have to think about who's making your clothes and how much they're getting paid.
0: Over here in Australia, Kmart, $7 denim jeans. Yeah.
1: And you're like, well, they're make, and usually like when you're in the industry, like you understand like the profits behind clothing and it's usually like a 70% markup or so. So like the company is making bank on that $7 shirt and you're like, well, cost of materials was like a dollar and then cost of labor was probably like 30 cents. <laughs> and that's what's so concerning.
0: Yeah. The material costs more than the labor. Get your head around that one, people.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Because like on average, what would you say, in your opinion, as a guess, you know, a pair of hundred and twenty dollar Levi's, the actual cost of the materials for that would be would it be a couple of bucks, you reckon?
1: Yeah, it'd be like ten bucks.
0: Ten bucks of materials.
1: Yeah. Probably. I mean, I mean, I don't it all depends where they're getting it from and all. I don't know Levi's specifically, but there are like really good sites that I kind of like advocate for that are definitely trying to be a lot more transparent. Like, I shop on this one site called Everlane. And like, even their jeans, like, they'll say, they'll, you'll like scroll down and be like, this was the cost of materials. This is the cost of labor. And they're very transparent about where exactly I come from, like what factory and everything like that. And that's what, like, it just gives you a little bit of peace of mind. Like, Oh, this is the markup that they're getting, which is like, it's totally fair. Like you're supposed to be making like a lot of money on clothes, Mm. but like they're actually putting in the effort to show you like, Oh, we are paying people. (laughs) We are like paying for like decent material and everything like that. So like, you know what you're getting. Mm. And I think that's really important is that like fashion industries need to, we need to start becoming more like transparent with our customers and people like they need to start caring also. So, like, you get a $7 shirt, you wear it for a little bit, like, you don't really think about that. But I feel like there are, like, people that are coming that are, like, more, they're kind of, like, going back to, oh, where does this come from? And everything like that. And people are becoming a lot smarter of shoppers. And it's, like, the whole thing of, like, not just the clothing, but, like, farm to table and everything like that, like... You really want to know everything that you're consuming and everything that you're buying. You want to know where it comes from. And I think that's important.
0: Mm. Mm. And I think more than ever, we've got access to that information too. It's yeah. the beauty of the internet. is
1: Yeah. <laughs> you
0: can just dig a little bit and, and find out.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. What's been,
0: you know, probably winding it up last question-ish, what's been the biggest... I guess, revelation for yourself or maybe better put from the time that you were drawing dresses on the desk in high school to now, what's been the biggest, I guess, difference between what your expectations were coming into the fashion and textile industry along that journey? Or has it all kind of met your expectations and what you're expecting it to be like?
1: Um, I mean, it's definitely like a lot harder than everyone thinks that it like everyone's like, Oh, you're just like sitting around, like doing crafts all day, like sewing or like drawing and stuff like that. And I was like, no, we live, work really hard. <laughs> I think that's like a big misconception or like, also like people just assume like there's no designers left in the States, like everything they're like, Oh, well, everything's over Like if you want a job, like go to China and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, we're still, we're still all here we're still all designing obviously. And I mean, it's still like a big industry over here, but we are like, we are putting in the work and it is, it's a very hard industry. Yeah. And like, that's, that is why I went over to kind of like home design. I kind of, after being in fashion for a while, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I lost my passion for it, but, I mean, I was like even willing to like, I was like, oh, should I go into graphic design? Like I was kind of trying to like change my path because I was like, I've already done this. I've done like something really cool. I've kind of like been like the big hot shot kind of in New York. And now I'm kind of over it.
0: <laughs> well, you know, to, to use the title of the podcast again, you saw what the price, you paid the price of entry to get to that point. You looked at what the ongoing cost to yourself to the lifestyle and what it would involve and you went nah i'm not gonna pay that that's too high a price tag that's not worth 200 bucks but 150 bucks for this yeah i'll go for that lifestyle i'll choose that and that's really cool that's got to be freeing because you're not wondering what if oh maybe i should have pursued that new york thing and done the new york fashion thing now you can say yep been there done that, done that. <laughs> bought the t-shirt <laughs> good to go <laughs> good to, yeah exactly exactly is there anything you'd change in that journey or do you feel that like you had to go through it to get to where you are now
1: um no I mean I think like as hard as a lot of it was it's definitely like what I needed to go through to like really understand like where I'm at and really appreciate kind of like where I'm at like I finally I felt like I can relax now. I finally like had my kind of big break of like where I want to be and what I want to be doing. And now I'm just like relaxing, enjoying my time and like really getting into design and really like enjoying what I do.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's got to feel good. That's got to be a good place to get to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really good.
0: <laughs> awesome. And on that positive, great note, we're gonna end of that. Thanks for your time yeah. there. I really appreciate it. And thanks for tuning in thanks. all the way from North Carolina. Yeah, it
1: always did, you know. <laughs> can't wait for you to
0: come and visit Australia again. And I can't wait to get back over to America one day, 2025. Right. Yeah,
1: I know. <laughs> like whenever, I know. As soon as they open up the the gates, the doors, I'm coming back.
0: <laughs> like, right.
1: It's been too oh. long at
0: this point. <laughs> exactly. Well, you are going to... I'm gonna end it here before we start getting all negative and talk about <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. See you next time.